I'm Tony Graves with Little America Miniature Horses in Buda, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas, agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Kerry Martin. Hello, Texas. So glad to have you along for another edition of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, we have more coverage from that big wind and sandstorm that blanketed the Texas Panhandle and Southern Plains over the weekend. We'll check in with one farmer from the Littlefield area to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle handle down to the Rio Grande Valley. A lot of Texas High Plains farmers find themselves trying to figure out what they can salvage from some battered wheat fields. I'm James Hunt and we'll bring you one farmer's perspective on Texas Ag today. The value of being a member of the Texas FFA guides thousands of students as they make career choices every year. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have comments from a current FFA state officer on Texas Ag Today. This is James Duncan, and in my part of East Texas, the sunshine is appreciated and technology is in the air, bringing modern methods to our producers. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Farmers in the Texas Panhandle are assessing the damage and digging out from the weekend sand and dust storm that darkened skies and damaged winter crops. Brad Heffington farms in the Littlefield area. He says he hasn't seen anything like this since he was a kid. That's the worst sandstorm I've seen since I was 10 years old back in 1977 that I can remember. Even 2011, we didn't have any boobs or anything that was that bad, but we had 78 mile an hour straight line winds from the Mesonet for 20 minutes. You know, gusts all the way around there for half the day and all through the night. A lot of our land, considering we've got a lot more modern farming practices, it's fared better than I thought, but we got a sandy mess on quite a few places that will we desperately need some moisture so we can work the ground and get it back in shape. Heffington had about 4,000 acres of winter rye planted for forage. 4,000 acres of that planted, and some of it wasn't up because it never rained, and what we'd watered up, I mean, it burned it so bad, I don't think it'd ever come back and make hay, and then I don't think it would ever hold. We're probably going to end up chiseling that stuff to hold it. I've really never seen it kill rye, but I've seen it burn it so bad it sits there forever and just doesn't grow. And then, then you have to end up doing something land because it'll start blowing. Right now, I don't know if any of it make it, but I mean, it's not all of it, but it's a life sport, I can tell you that for sure. And this may not be the end of it. USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey says there could be more to come this week. 
The big story for the Great Plains will be the storm expected to emerge across the southern Great Plains later this week. Already, twice in the last week, we have seen significant early season dust storms raking parts of New Mexico, West Texas, and parts of neighboring states. And it looks like that could happen again later this week with another very powerful system coming out of the southern Rockies, sweeping across the southern plains. We could see once again significant blowing dust that has already caused damage to winter wheat and other winter grains across that region and has really left a sour taste in producers' mouth as we head into the spring with very difficult conditions across West Texas and environs. Now with more coverage from the weekend storm, here's James Hunt. In the aftermath of some very windy days across the Texas High Plains recently, a lot of producers have been spending time assessing damage. That's especially true after the brutal winds that tore through the region on Sunday. Following that event, Laramie Freemel, who farms north of Hereford, says things at his operation turned out better than was the case for some of his neighbors. Fortunately, we were okay where I'm at, but just hearing stories around the area, I've heard pivots flipped over small outbuildings blown over, and just nothing real great about having winds like that. But while his equipment and structures came through it okay, like many other area farmers, Freemel's not happy with how his wheat is looking. On top of a dry year already, our wheat was minimal at best, and then after that windstorm, it pretty well burnt the tops of the wheat off, and I'm almost going to say that the non-irrigated wheat's pretty well at zero at this point. And Freemel is not expecting much from his irrigated wheat either. Irrigated was pretty limited from the get-go this year. We knew coming into this winter without rain or snow, what we could irrigate was already cut in half. So what we're going for now would be more for seed wheat replacement for next year. We're probably going to irrigate just a little bit for that to keep seed back for next year. And then if by any chance there was a little rain event later this spring, we would maybe try to cut just a little bit of hay off of that. And that would probably be about it. And as he evaluates what he can salvage from the wheat he planted, Laramie Freemel is now making plans for spring planting. His thoughts on that in our next report. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Department of Agriculture has previewed plans to provide up to $250 million in assistance to rice farmers. The plans include what steps rice producers can take to be prepared to sign up when the program is released later this spring. The full program and application details will not be available until later this year, but farmers can get prepared to sign up if they qualify for a higher payment limitation. Texas rice farmers can use the help after enduring a terrible year last year, with many of them getting cut off from irrigation water from the Colorado River due to the drought. And at this point, it looks like there will be no irrigation water available this spring to get a rice crop planted. FFA members across Texas celebrated National FFA Week last week. Tom Nicoletti tells us it was a great opportunity for them to highlight the benefits of FFA membership. Thousands of Texas students are involved in FFA across the state. As a dynamic student-led leadership development organization for students of agricultural education, the FFA makes a positive difference in their lives every day. Thomas Egbert currently serves as the Area 7 State Vice President for Texas FFA. 
my journey in FFA has been a long one, but an interesting one nevertheless. Kind of initially just started showing sheep, and that was really all I did in the FFA, but that it eventually grew to chapter district and area leadership positions, leadership development events, career development events. Actually, this organization has poured so much into me and, and cliche to say, but true nevertheless, has made me the person I am today, has shaped the career and future that I want, certainly in agriculture. This organization has poured so much into me. And now as a state officer, I'm kind of pouring myself back into the organization and hopefully in into the members. And that's kind of the interesting thing about being a state officer is now you have the kind of the flip side perspective and, and you get to pour into something that's poured so much into you. And I think that's something really special and unique. It has been proven and there have actually been a few studies that National FFA has done that this extracurricular FFA has proven to increase students' productivity both in school and, of course, in their outside school activities. However, I would say after the after effects of high school, the future, your college, what you want to do with your life, it opens so many doors. Currently, I'm attending Texas A&M University where I'm going to find what I want to do and FFA has certainly pointed me in that direction. Without it, I, I feel like I would be lost. That is Thomas Egbert, Area 7 State Vice President for the Texas FFA. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Farmers and ranchers in East Texas are welcoming the newest technologies in agriculture. James Duncan has an update from Marshall. In the East Texas area, moisture has been adequate and the sunshine the last several days gives us hope for forage production in early spring. It's still a little too soft to move the bulk fertilizer trucks into most of our hay meadows, but not a problem for weed control. With the advent of drones to apply the herbicide for weed control, our major chemical companies and supply houses are leading in their part to make sure that this gets done by bringing in the drones. This application is really interesting to watch if you get the opportunity to do so. This will enhance the quality of the forage production as well as give us an opportunity for just a little bit more in the hay fields this year, something we've missed the last several years with the dryness, but the moisture, the fertilizer that will be able to use on those second cuttings and the weed control is going to be a great benefit. It's still too early to comment on peach production in the East Texas area and corn planting is fast approaching. I've talked to several livestock producers also lately that have been to the sale barns with their calves and they've come away smiling. That's always a good sign. This is James Duncan reporting from East Texas for Texas Ag Today. Texas high school students interested in pursuing a career in a wildlife or natural resource related field are invited to apply for this year's wildlife conservation camp. I'm Jessica Domel and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And shortening the calving window in a beef cow herd has many benefits. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next right here on Texas Ag Today.
Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, call 833-TX-HEALTH or visit 833-TXHEALTH.COM. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Shortening the calving window in a beef cow herd can have many benefits. Dr. Bob Judd takes a look at what those could be. Creating a defined calving system is often the first tier of creating a managed reproduction program to eliminate calving all year round. The second tier of creating the management system is to determine how short you can make your calving season. Managed reproductive systems are as simple as when you turn your bulls out and for how long. And although it seems simple, I am amazed at the number of cattlemen with otherwise well-managed herds that do not have a regular calving season but allow cows to calve all year round. A 60-day calving period is a common length suggested, but 45 days is even better. However, if you do the math, a beef calf gains around 2 pounds per day from birth to weaning. If you get these cows to calve at the first of the calving season versus at the end, they have another 45 to 60 days to grow, which is 90 to 120 pounds, and this is significant on sales day. Also, cows that calve early in the breeding season have longer to get pregnant for next year, while those that calve late may not even be cycling when the breeding season ends and the bulls are removed. So cows that calve late may need to be culled to make your breeding program shorter. You may have to cull late-bred cows, and you may have a few less calves the first year. However, in the long run, a shorter breeding season and therefore a shorter calving season will pay off in a more uniform calf crop and less labor monitoring calving and treating sick baby calves. It is easier to monitor cows calving for over a two-month period than having to try and monitor them all year long. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Texas high school students interested in pursuing a career in a wildlife or natural resource-related field can apply for this year's Wildlife Conservation Camp. Jessica Domel tells how in today's Wildlife Report. Texas high school students with a passion for wildlife, conservation, and natural resources can now apply to attend this year's Wildlife Conservation Camp hosted by the Texas chapter of the Wildlife Society. This year's camp will be held July 17th through the 21st at the Texas Tech University Center in Junction. Kelly Mundy, camp co-chair and a Texas Master Naturalist Program aide, joins us with more. So the first camp took place in 1993 and it'll be 30 years this summer since it was started. The camp is hosted by the Texas chapter of the Wildlife Society, and it's also sponsored by many organizations across the state. The goal of this camp is to provide high school students with a fun and interactive experience learning about nature, ecology, and wildlife. The campers come from a variety of backgrounds, but they all leave with new knowledge and a different perspective of the environment that they live in. The camp includes exciting hands-on wildlife and conservation-based activities that allow participants to experience how everything in nature is interconnected. 
Campers will explore wildlife and plant ecology, practice species identification, tracking, trapping, habitat investigation, and will learn about management strategies, hunter education, and conservation ethics. Cost is $350, and that includes housing and meals for the week. Scholarships are available, and students may seek out sponsorships. The deadline to apply is May 1st. Details are available at wildlifecamptx.org. That is wildlifecamptx.org. Again, the deadline to apply is May 1st. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. Live cattle and cotton both dropped lower Thursday, but the wheat market finished higher. We'll take a look at all of Thursday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to insure your home for Texas-sized weather. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Live cattle took a drop Thursday while the feeder market closed mixed. Thursday is the day that USDA releases weekly export sales report. And the beef export sales report was somewhat disappointing, so that did put some pressure on the cattle complex on Thursday. April live cattle down a dollar two, closing at one sixty four ten. June down a dollar fifteen, one fifty nine forty five. August down 95 cents at 158.72. Feeder cattle traded both sides of unchanged. March feeders closing 27 cents higher, 188.57. The April unchanged at 193.85, while May feeders were down 17 cents, 198.82. Cash-fed cattle market seeing some light trade up north. We've seen a few sales throughout the week up in Iowa. 165 seems to be the price. That's a buck higher than last week, but not large numbers of cattle. We're still waiting for the big numbers to take place this week. Feedlots here in the south asking 166 and better this week. Boxed beef continues to climb higher. Choice up another dollar seven, two eighty-eight ninety. Select up twenty-one cents, two seventy-six sixty-four. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. My friend Henry Pickett, who's a good South Texas boy, grew up at George West. Now owns and operates Abilene Livestock. He sells every Tuesday. Henry, how did that sale go, son? Uh, ended up pretty good. Though we ended up with 940 total cattle with about 150 cows. Uh, the market was steady to slightly higher on these lighter wean calves this week. We had some 354 weight cattle bring upwards of 270, 290 heifer mates up there at 225, and then we had some really nice wean yearlings that came in, and they were weighing that 750 and bring a buck 80. So it was a pretty good deal. And the Packer cows were. 90 to a dollar five and uh, they were steadied a little bit higher to last week are you aware of anything for this next week i uh, just had a few calls 
asking if the market's staying steady, and uh, I, I assume we'll probably have close to a thousand again next week. Did you catch any moisture at all, or just a lot of wind? Just a lot of wind and a lot of promise of rain, and that sounds like we're going to have uh, some severe weather this coming Thursday. Yeah, we've got a chance for it, and I think they're showing us about three inches, and I'd sure like to to have some. We still need some moisture, and I know y'all would welcome that also. Oh, it'd be nice. Yeah, it'd be good for wheat, wouldn't it? And listeners, don't forget, Henry Pickett and crew service your livestock needs every week through Abilene Livestock. The sale, of course, is open and selling on Tuesday. Here at the barn, we can be reached at 325-673-7865, or my cell phone is 940-733-8208. Henry, thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Neighbor, that's our livestock auction market report for today. We'll see you next time right here as we walk the pens. I'm Larry Marble for Texas Ag Today. Back over to the futures market now. Lean hogs finish lower on Thursday. April hogs dropped a dollar ten eighty-three eighty-five. May was down sixty-five cents at ninety-two eighty-seven. Class three milk closed slightly lower. March milk down nine cents, seventeen sixty-six a hundred weight. April milk down eleven at seventeen forty-eight a hundred. Another big drop in the cotton market on Thursday. Now, the export sales report for cotton actually looked pretty decent this week, but that wasn't enough to overcome the overall concerns on the economy. Fears of a strengthening U.S. dollar and possible interest rate increases down the road continue to keep a lid on cotton prices. May cotton dropped 195 points, 83.71. July down 160 points, 84.41. While new crop December was down 152 points at 83.75 cents. Corn market finishing mixed. Old crop lower again the export sales report. Total 22-23 shipments are down 42% from a year ago at this same time, so that weighed on the old crop contracts. March corn down two and three quarters, six thirty-seven and three quarters. May down two cents, six thirty-three and three quarters. New crop September corn up a penny at five eighty-three and a quarter. The wheat market bounced back from recent losses, finding some support down at these low $8 levels. March Kansas City wheat up 11 cents, 8.32 and a quarter. New crop July wheat up 8 at 8.17 and a quarter. Soft wheat market seeing the same thing. July Chicago wheat up 1 and 3 quarters, 7.19 and 3 quarters. In the energy markets, April natural gas was down a penny, 2.79. April West Texas crude up 34 cents, 78.03 a barrel. The financial markets were higher Thursday afternoon. The Dow up 328 points at 32,990. The Nasdaq up 69, 11,449. The S&P up 27 at 3,978. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production 
of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.